Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha. Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. We got so excited about our last talk called the Diagnosis Trap that we decided we'd do a Diagnosis Trap Part 2. So I'm here today with my colleague and best friend, Judy Judy Sedgman, and we are going to talk a little bit about what we see as kind of the, the, the side effect of the whole world of diagnosing people. Mm. And that is, there's two things that we've noticed. One is, is that young people in particular, but maybe some old people too, actually, because a lot of people with PTSD know are discovering they have trauma. Like trauma is the new thing. Oh, you know, like trauma, trauma, trauma. You, I'm, I'm deal- are you dealing with your trauma? And I thought, like, when haven't people been dealing with people's trauma? It's like... You think this is new, but somehow they've come up with this these techniques that somehow we're going to treat it in a different way, and and so people have this um, kind of interest or um, desire to want to have a diagnosis, especially young people. They get online and they look up their symptoms, and then they decide that they're uh, they've got this diagnosis or the the next like. One of my um, friends' uh, child got online, and she um, came to her mother and said, "Mother, um, I think that I have borderline personality disorder." And she was like, "Oh God, Chris, could you please talk with her? I mean, really?" <laughs> and and so I said to her, I was talking to her, and I said, "Well," she said, "But I have all these symptoms." And I said, "Well, think of it this way: you have those traits." Like that, but that's not what you are or who you are. That's just how your insecurity comes out. And in fact, the fact that we do things so similarly is kind of what, why we can diagnose people because human beings tend to think in very similar ways. And so as a result of that, we were able to get these categories of symptoms, even symptoms that are quite bizarre and, and, and quite interesting, the power that we have in our thinking to do that. So um, anyway, the, the girl says, well, you don't think I have that disorder? I said, well, no, I don't think you have that disorder. I think that when you get insecure, you have a little bit of, of uh, you don't understand that your thinking is creating your emotions. And it looks like everybody else is making you unhappy. And so you kind of lash out at them and you get reactive to them and you do that. But that's, that's just, that's not, that's not something you're stuck with. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, but a lot of, a lot of kids, I have a lot of, lot of very bright kids as clients and they will talk about their anxiety, their stress, their, and, and they're like, I, I was uh, talking with someone the other day and she said, but I, I like to be really driven. I really want to be driven because I achieve so much. I said, well, let me ask you, this is, is achieving a lot better than being happy. And she stopped for a minute and then she said, well, 
I think that's why I will be happy. I said, <laughs> yeah, happiness doesn't have anything to do with that. And trust me, I have people that are, have been very successful in their lives and they're not happy. So what do you think about that? And, and she said, well, I don't know. I got, I got to think about it. But you could see that she was so like interested in keeping the way she thought and then giving it some like a reason that's not on her right. to, to, to do something about it. So that's, a, that, that's one of the things we noticed is that especially with, with young people, but particularly everybody, like psychology has so affected us that we all think we have some kind of a diagnosis, which to me, like when I first learned this, I thought, oh, my God, I'm walking around telling people I'm mentally ill. I <laughs> you want to be mentally ill. Yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness, you know, like, I got I to gotta stop this. Yeah. But my, my ego was so caught up in, in my symptoms and what was wrong with me and my diagnosis. And then I feel sorry for myself about it because poor me, this past, things that happened in my past and trauma <laughs> that I had during my life was the cause of it. So what can you do about that? Nothing. Yeah. So it was, it's kind of a hopeless spiral, but it, it, it just makes people be more caught up. You know, I, when I was when I was growing up, there was no such thing as mental illness was never discussed. If somebody was off, as they used to say, they were kind of, the family would kind of hide it from people. And then, you know, when the DSM came out and, and, and psychology became sort of popular and more of a thing, and, and really before there was DSM, people didn't have names for any of these things. And that was only the mid-1950s. The first DSM was published. The Diagnostic and Statistic Manual was published in 1952. Before that, they just thought, well, you know, this person's moody. That person is prone to anger. You know, they just kind of used natural language for it. But now, you know, it's, it's, it's become a science and everybody's studied all these things and given them these names. But basically, I, I really... When I, I, mental illness was so hidden and not talked about as I was coming along in life and growing up, like I didn't know anybody in high school that had ever seen a psychologist or a therapist or anybody, anything like that. Now half the kids in high school are seeing a therapist, but, but, um, I, I, I remember when I found out about mental illness, as I got older, I started to think of it like a curse, you know, like, oh my gosh, some people have these mental illnesses and it, it was like, you didn't get well from it because people would get these diagnoses and they would walk around with them for the rest of their life and be on medication or be in and out of the hospital or whatever. And until I got involved in the principles is the first I had ever heard anybody in the field of psychology or psychiatry talk about people getting over things, you know, that it was temporary, that the mental illness was not a thing. It was a, way of using your thinking that got you in trouble until you started to realize what you were doing. And, and that made so much sense to me because I thought, yeah, like, where would it be? You know, where would mental illness be? It's, it's not like you have, you know, like you have a, a, a tumor or something and it has to be cut out, mm -hmm. but it's in our, it's in our thinking and our thinking is formless. And so it's always subject to change. So that made a lot of sense to me, but I think the reason it made so much sense to me is because I really didn't know anything about psychology when I first heard about it. So I was just kind of looking at people, you know, free from any, 
preconceived ideas. And I thought, oh, that's a relief. I guess I was wrong all these years thinking it was some disease. You know? And I, I really see now what's happened is people, there's so much internet conversation and so much in the news and so much discussion about all these various diagnoses and about schizophrenia, about, uh, you know, manic depression and all these things that it's gotten so people look it up and they think, oh my gosh, you know, I was in a terrible mood for three days last week. I, I must be bipolar. You know, instead of going like, geez, I was in a terrible mood for three days last week. I'm glad I feel better, you know. And then you start waiting for the next time and, you know, you can kind of talk yourself into it. So I think there's that going on. And also the fact that now among young people, to me, the people that, you know, that I see that are young, they seem to have, you know, like it's kind of a badge of honor. It's like when I was young, stress was a badge of honor, you know, trying too hard, overachievement was a badge of honor. Well, now it's all, you know, having a mental diagnosis and having a therapist is a badge of honor. And they talk about it and they look up there, they compare notes on TikTok and all these websites and everything. And and I think it's very sad because what it really is, is people getting very self-absorbed. It takes you out of life and out of enjoyment and out of the moment and into your head about me about myself, what's wrong with me. And I'm telling you, if you think, if you want to look for something wrong with you, you'll find it. (laughs) It's like, I, you know, I mean, I can get up in the morning and start to put my makeup on and and notice flaws, you know, if I really dwelled on it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't show my face for the rest of the day. So, so that's the thing that it, 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 you know, bottom line, and I know this is going to sound simplistic to people that are dealing with these things, but bottom line is insecurity, any, any manifestation of insecure thinking to me is a manifestation of self-absorption in the interest of self-preservation out of fear. Judy, I think that part of the way that uh, psychology has affected people is that the more we think about something, the more complex we get, right? It's like anything. It doesn't matter what it is. And so the more psychology has become, like when I was young, we didn't even have a counselor in our high school. We had none in our town. We had none that I knew of uh, within a hundred miles of our town. And um, that it, it was just unheard of. So Okay, so we can see that people are suffering now and that they need help. That's that. There's truth in that. I mean, there's people that need need help. But um, what happens is that I was listening to the um, uh, interview that athletes that are vying for the United States Olympic team, and um, this woman was talking about how she um, got. Uh, she was had trouble performing or she was depressed or something. And, and so she went to a therapist and got a diagnosis and then she didn't get better. So she went to another therapist and got another diagnosis. And then she went to another therapist and got another diagnosis and like went to four or five different therapists. All of them gave her a different diagnosis. Like what kind of science is that? If you had a sore throat and you went to four doctors, they'd all say the same thing or at least pretty close to the same thing. Right. So you go to a, to four different therapists, they look at you through the lens that they're thinking, and that's what they see, right? Like we're all seeing our thoughts in life. So whatever place the doctor is going, but 
The other thing is that they don't take away the first diagnosis. Like they don't say, oh, that diagnosis wasn't right. It should be this because you know what? Nobody really knows. And we all know, everybody in the field knows. It depends on how you're looking at it. It depends on, you know, like the the state of mind you're in. Like there was a psychiatrist that lived in uh, in Hawaii and um, we we frequently laugh because he would go to his training for the year. He'd go to the mainland to go to a big medical training on some new diagnoses. And then he'd come back and all of his patients would have that diagnosis for that year. It's like he, like he went to a multiple personality disorder or, um, um, yeah, I think that's what it was. Anyway, and then, and then all the kids that he was a ch- adolescent psychiatrist, no less, but then all of the kids had that diagnosis. Yeah. So there's something wrong with diagnosing people when we can't all agree mm-hmm. on, on, on what it is. And that's because there haven't been any really, you know, um, principles that unify the field. And that's what William James, who's the father of psychology, actually said needed to happen for psychology to really be effective. And that's what these three principles are, is helps understand what creates those symptoms and also prescribes the treatment for it, right? It's like that's the, by understanding those principles, that's what happens. But when you don't know what's causing it and you are going in all kinds of circles trying to figure it out, you come up with a million different ways of, of looking at it. And, and then people get really overwhelmed, like, oh, now I have this. Oh, yeah. now I have that. In fact, I had a, a young girl and every time she went to, she got better. And every time she went to see her psychiatrist, he'd up her medication mm-hmm. because given her the bipolar is, you know, that's the 20, 21st century diagnosis, bipolar now. And um, he'd give her that diagnosis and, and she w- I would send a, a report to him. I would send her test scores to him. I would do everything I could to help him to see that she was getting better and he would not call me. And he would not change his diagnosis. So she finally, she came in one day and I said, so is the medication changing its effect on you at all? Like what's going on? She goes, oh, I stopped taking that about a month ago. She said, I just decided to do it on my own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to me how patients frequently can see that there's something off. Like they think, oh, I don't want to go to a therapist. I don't want to go to a psychiatrist because they just look for things that are wrong. But that's what gives it kind of a bad rap is because people aren't really looking to to get people to their health because they're not trained in health. Yeah. Like there's there's no training of that in even in higher education. So anyway, that's kind of um, the problem with that. But the other problem that comes from that is, of course, how it affects everybody around us. Right. So if I'm diagnosed with bipolar, then suddenly that affects everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a, uh, when I was teaching graduate school a number of years ago, I was very surprised to discover how many parents actually are still involved in calling the professors of their graduate students. When, when I was in graduate school, I, my parents didn't even know <laughs> what my courses were. You know, right. I was living on my own, but now they're all still kind of helicoptering around. But so I had this mother call me up because her daughter failed to show up for the final exam, and uh, which was one third of the grade, and didn't turn in half of her assignments. 
So, I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? So, I, so obviously she failed the course and her mother called me up and she said, you know, I would have thought that you with a degree in psychology, because I looked you up, unfortunately I'd just gotten it. She, but she said with a degree in psychology that you would realize, you know, that her bipolar kicked in and give her a break. And I said, so her bipolar kicked in? And she said, yes. She said, you know, she's, a, she's, got, she's got bipolar disease. And when it flares up, uh, you know, then she has a lot of trouble dealing with life. And then sometimes it doesn't. I said, well, when doesn't it? Now, give me an example. And she said, well, like Christmas break. She's <laughs> 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 for Christmas break and she's in the loving arms of her family and we're all celebrating. And, you know, it's, it's break in the semester and she doesn't have to go to school. She kind of calms down and, you know, the bipolar kind of, kind of uh, quiets down. And then, you know, it seems like as soon as she goes back to school, it just flares up again. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. And I said, well, you know, I said, first of all, it's against the law. There's a FERPA law in education that prevents me from talking to you about your daughter's grades. And I can't really have this conversation. But I said, uh, I really wish that you would talk to somebody <laughs> about what you're saying because in my mind mental illness is a is uh it doesn't flare up it's just our thinking changes it's not like mental illness flares up and then suddenly it's like you know you had a recurrence of your allergy or something like that because something bloomed in the spring and i said you know something changes in her thinking she gets frightened and insecure when she gets in certain situations and then she gets moody and she said, oh, you obviously just don't understand mental illness at all. She said, I don't know how they ever gave you a degree. And she hung up on me. <laughs> and, you know, I have to say, I felt bad. But, I mean, I'm, what am I supposed to do? I just, uh, it just seemed, it, when, you, when you do understand how thinking works and you do understand that, that things come and go, that's true. We have days or hours or minutes. But you know, once you understand how thought works, you don't get frightened by it because you know it's going to pass. You know it's temporary. You know that you just got a head full of negative thinking and you have to just let it play out and let it go. And uh, and if you don't understand that, what happens to people is they get worse and worse because they get more and more frightened by their own thoughts. And then in the effort to fight them, they have to keep them around and keep analyzing them and the more they think about them, the more frightened they get. The more frightened they get, the worse they feel. And and that's, you know, it, it, it's hard sometimes for, for some of us and all of us really in, in this field to see that happening and see uh, the, the degree to which people take it so seriously. I know Sidney Bank said if we didn't take our thinking so seriously, we'd all feel better. And that's really true. So I think the biggest problem with diagnosis is force people to, you know, the, the existence of diagnoses and all the literature about it and all the chit chat online and everything has forced people to take something seriously. That's just an illusion of their thinking. Mm -hmm. Well, plus the other thing is, is I think that when people get focused on having a diagnosis, they don't have to do anything to change it. Right. It's kind of like, well, this is the way I am. So what can I do? I'll just keep living my life totally nuts, not take any time to calm down, not take any time to rest, pushing myself all the time, thinking that I have to keep doing better. 
without being very introspective and changing things. And, and I think that two things is that what that does with people is creates a hopelessness and then it perpetuates the fact that they're depressed because, you know, part of depression is feeling hopeless. So the more you feel like I've got this diagnosis and therefore I'm stuck with it, then it's really easy to get seduced by your own thinking. You know, it's kind of like, I remember like, I'd think like, oh yeah, here's my depression again. Oh yeah, I'm feeling really bad. And then that gets real. Like that's what consciousness does, right? It makes that thinking seem real. So it's like you slide into this world of, of, of hell. And, and in fact, I remember when I was learning about being mentally healthy when I was, and I was in this beautiful feeling for the longest time. And then I got thinking again and I didn't realize it. And, and then all of a sudden I started to feel really tired and, and overwhelmed and, and then it was like, oh, yeah, here it is again. Here's my depression. <laughs> and, it, and it almost looked like it was a security blanket, yeah. you know, like a safe place to go to get nurturing or something. And yeah. so I, I went with those thoughts, only this time it didn't feel so good. It was like, oh, no, this security blanket is like full of fleas. And <laughs> oh, I don't want to be here. But yeah. there's this illusion that when you're told by a professional you have this diagnosis. You probably won't get over it. it you're going to have to deal with it for the rest of your life. That's very powerful. Yeah. And not only does the client think that they have that, but then their family thinks they have that. And nobody's looking for how they're getting better. Everybody's focused on, on those okay. moments when they're down. And then it increases that time in those feelings. Right. Yeah. It's... Uh you know, then you end up spending the whole, it's like being crippled without having anything wrong with you. You know, it's like, it's like, uh, and thinking there's something wrong that isn't really wrong instead yeah. of looking to see how to find what's right. Yeah. So yeah. Our, our focus is on, you know, awakening the health and the realization in people that their power to think is the power they use to self-correct. And self-correction doesn't mean you'll never have a bad thought again. It means that your bad thoughts can't hurt you because you know what they are. If you've had a diagnosis or if somebody you know is diagnosed, what will give you hope and will change things is to look for the health in them or in yourself. Because that's the antidote for that kind of negative experience in life is to start to increase the time that you spend in mental well-being. And with that, we're going to let you guys go back to your, enjoying your life. We have to remember to remind people you can join our program. Oh, that's right. Remember yeah. that psychology has it backwards, the program. Um, like if you like what we're saying or if you don't like what we're saying. If you want to complain like about that, it. <laughs> yeah, you want to complain about it and tell us that we're nuts. We'd love to have you because uh, honestly, we, we uh, are really – in, in our waning years here, we really want to do what we can to change the field so that people are not stuck in this trap. Yep. So, so everyone, you go to psychologyhasitbackwards.com. You can sign up weekly. You don't have to sign up for like the 10 session thing that we did before. Yep. You can just sign up one week at a time or every week once in a while or whatever. And we'd love to see you on the program. It's on uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, different times. So check the website. 
So meanwhile, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Aloha. Bye. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 